we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. In the state of understanding, there is no barrier between the fact and yourself. When you understand something, your whole attention is given to it. Hello and welcome to episode 130 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of extracts carefully chosen from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is understanding. Upcoming themes are struggle, light and crisis. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, an international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find daily Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on understanding has six sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in Madras, 1964, titled In what sense are we using the word understand? When we use the word understand, we mean, don't we, not merely intellectually, verbally, or agree. When we talk about understanding, it is not only a verbal communication which the intellect translates according to the understanding of those words, but also when we use the word understand, understanding is not only the comprehension and the cognition of words and their meaning, not only intellectually, but we also mean with a great deal of feeling, not only mentally, 
but neurologically with the nerves with your ears with your eyes with with the smell it, the understanding can only take place when there is a total comprehension with all your being understanding is not partial is not fragmentary you can't say i understand what you're talking about intellectually such a statement has no meaning whatsoever we mean really we understand the words you are using because you and i both speak english we understand the meaning of those words but understanding is much more profound more real than merely the understanding of words when we say we understand it means a total comprehension and therefore an action to understand is to act not understand and then act that is then understanding merely remains as an idea which is not understanding and separated from action and then the whole problem arises how to bring action to conform or be in approximation to the idea so there is always a contradiction if we don't understand this this usage of words and the creation out of those words as ideas and accepting or rejecting those ideas and trying to conform if you accept or approximate your action to those ideas all this process is not a state of understanding understanding is a state of being totally with all your one's being nervously emotionally intellectually with feeling with everything that one has and when when there is such understanding there is action because life is action life is not an idea carried out in action it these two are not separate like you cannot have love as an idea love cannot be cultivated it cannot be nurtured produced either there is or there is not similarly there is understanding or no understanding to understand something one has to listen and listening is an art to listen to something implies that you are giving complete attention not only to what the speaker is saying complete attention to those crows complete attention to the sunset to the clouds to the breeze among the leaves complete attention to the various colors that are here so that your whole neurological as well as the the cells of the brain comprehend totally and out of that total comprehension alone there is action which does not bring about contradiction and therefore conflict and endless pain and misery so in that sense we are using the word understand 
The second extract is from the first talk in Sanan, 1962, titled Will Mental Exploration Bring About Understanding? Let us explore the mental process of examination, exploration, what we mean by that, and what we mean by understanding. Will mental exploration bring about understanding? Please don't agree or disagree, let us examine. Will exchange of ideas, opinions, formulas, will that bring about understanding? What do we mean by understanding and what do we mean by mental exploration? Now, what do we mean by understanding? When do you understand something? When you say, yes, I understand you, what do we mean by that? What is the process or how does that state of understanding come into being? when you say, I've understood something. I'll go into it, if I may, a little bit, and you will perhaps will meet me. When I say understand, in that state, there is no barrier between the fact and yourself. When you say, I understand something, your whole attention is given to it. Attention is not fragmentary, as the mental process is. When you examine mentally, it's a, a fragmentary process, it's a separative process. But when you say, I understand, in that your whole being is involved. Your mind, your emotion, your body, your eye, your everything is involved and quiet, and out of that you say, I understand. So understanding comes only not through fragmentation, and as most of us think in fragmentation, all our relationship with life is in fragmentation. We are politicians, we are religious people, we are mm, business people, one part of us is business, one part of us is religious, one part of us is political, one part of us is sexual... I mean, you know, we're all so broken up. And with these fragments we examine. And we say, yes, intellectually I understand, but I can't act, I can't do anything.
So, mental examination or exploration or inspection is fragmentary and superficial. You obviously know how absurd it is to have the world broken up into nationalities, into religious groups, Catholic, Protestant, Hindu, Buddhist, the absurdity of all that. Intellectually we agree that it is immature, but at heart we are English, at heart we are German, and so on. And to bring about an emotional contact with the fact is our difficulty. And that demands an approach to the fact negatively, to approach it without any obsession of opinion, concept. So there is a vast difference between mental, superficial examination of a fact and the understanding of a fact. The one, the mental examination leads nowhere, but the understanding of the fact without interpretation, which is understanding of the fact, gives tremendous energy to, to deal with the fact. I will go into it during these talks much more because probably what most of us do lack is this energy. We have plenty of physical energy, at least I hope. But to deal with, with a psychological fact requires an astonishing energy, and that energy is denied when you approach the fact habitually. Which is to approach it through habit, habit of association, habit of word, habit of thought. So the fact remains and the word or the intellect is separated from the fact which creates a contradiction in which there is conflict and therefore dissipation of energy. The third extract is from the first question and answer meeting at Brockwood Park in 1985, titled, Does asking for guidance prevent understanding? Does asking for guidance necessarily prevent 
understanding? Cannot seeking help be a means of discovery of oneself? If not, what is the sense of listening to you, K? There is no sense. <laughs> you are not listening to K. If you are actually truthful, you are not listening to K. You are listening to say whether you agree or disagree. You are listening in the process of listening, you are translating what he says to your convenience, to your conditioning. You are listening not to K but to yourself. Right? K is not talking about something extraordinary. There is something extraordinary from beyond all this, but he is not talking about that now. You are listening to yourself, right? As we said earlier, you are seeing yourself in the mirror. And you can distort the mirror or say, I don't like the mirror, I don't like what I see, and break the mirror, but you are still what you are. So you are listening not to K. You are not trying to understand what K is saying. You are actually listening to yourself. If you are listening to yourself for the first time, that's the greatest thing that can happen. But if you are listening to K, X, Y, Z, no, sorry, not X, Y, Z. <laughs> if you are listening to K, then there are just a lot of words, a lot of reactions, and so on. That's so utterly, if I may respect, if one may respectfully point out, utterly meaningless, unnecessary. You have listened to so many things. Listen to the preachers, to the books, to poems. You listen to the voice of your wife and husband and girl and so on, or you're casually listening. But if you give all your attention to listening, hearing, not only with the ear, but hearing much more, much deeper, then you will, you will listen to everything. And you listen to what K has to say. Either you live with it, it is real, true, actual, or it is something verbal.
intellectual and therefore very little meaning in our life. And the questioner says, does seeking, asking for guidance necessarily prevent understanding? Understanding of what? Chemistry? Mathematics? Some philosophical concept? Understanding Gorbachev? What do we mean by understanding? Please, I am not... The speaker is not trying to be rude, or he is rude, sorry, he's not trying, he's not rude, just asking. What do you mean by that word understanding? First, and then we can then relate that word to understanding, to bring about understanding through guidance, through Seeking guidance. First, what do we mean by understanding? To understand. I understand French because I know some French and I understand the speaker understands Italian because she knows that. So there is an intellectual verbal communication. Right? That's one form of understanding. Uh, we use common language. You speak English and the speaker speaks English. And the verbal communication, if we mean the same thing and not give that to the word different meaning, like Alice says, Alice in Wonderland says, I give to the word what I want meaning what I want. That you can do that too. But communication becomes rather difficult then. So what do we mean by understanding? A verbal communication, intellectual comprehension of a concept, of an idea, or understanding means Surely listening to what another is saying. Not try to interpret, not try to change it, not try to modify it. Actually what he's saying. Not only intellectually, but all your being. With great attention. Then it's not merely intellectual or emotional sentiment or all that kind of stuff, but you entirely you're there. Then there is not only a verbal communication, but non-verbal communication. And the questioner says, does asking guidance prevent, necessarily prevent understanding? Right? Why do I want guidance? 
about what? You ask me, you, those of you who follow these gurus and all the rest of it, churches and temples and mosques, what do you mean by guidance? Another fellow human being in different robes, with beard or non beard, especially from Asia, India included. Why do you want why does one want guidance? Are you being guided now? Be simple, says. Are you being guided now? Or are we together investigating, exploring, communicating, saying, I don't understand what you And I say, I'll explain it. And then you say, oh, God. and then you explain something to me. I say, yes, I, we are moving together. There is no guidance. You understand? Am I? Are we? We've had guidance. Galore. Every newspaper, every magazine, every preacher, every priest throughout the world is guiding us, telling us what to do, what not to do, think this, don't think that, surrender yourself, oh, don't listen to me, it's a reactionary. You follow? We are being guided, shaped, moulded all the time, consciously or unconsciously. Here we are not guiding anybody, we are talking like two friends talking about things together. That is totally different. And guidance prevents understanding in the deeper sense of that word. Because I can't understand myself first. Look at myself, you are guiding me all the time, do this, don't do that. I'm not looking at myself, I'm telling, listen to what you have said. That means you become the authority, I become your slave. Whether it's psychological slave or slave to some other factor. These gurus with their ashramas, their places become concentration camps. They tell you what to do, how to salute, all that tummy rot. I'm not condemning it, it's so. So, if we don't seek guidance at all, which actually prevents understanding of ourselves, then cannot seeking help be a means of or discovery of ourselves. Oh God, need we go into all this again? Why can't we be simple? Hmm? Not in clothes, I don't mean that. Simple. See things as they are. 
look, face things actually as they are. This of all this labyrinth of maze. Hmm? Why do we have to go through all this? Except doctor, no. that's a different matter. Psychologically we are talking about. Why can't we be very, very simple and look at things as they are? Is our brain so incapacitated, so cunning, so desperately devious that you cannot see things, what is in front of their nose or eyes? If you are very, very simple psychologically, then that very simplicity has immense subtlety. Much more subtle than all the cunningness of the brain. But we are never simple. It's raining, it's raining. I am lonely, that's a f- not a speaker, one is lonely, that's a fact. Why all the circus around it? The fourth extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in Ojai, 1981, titled Understanding brings its own discipline. One must have patience to listen to ourselves. Because now we are depending on all the specialists, the professors, those who tell you what to do. We have lost self-reliance. We have become more or less slaves to authority, whether it is scientific authority, religious or economic or environmental authority. We are losing all over the world our sense of integrity. We are depending on books. Books have their place. But to to understand ourselves through books, through another, has led us to this confusion, to this crisis. And, as we pointed out over and over again, that we are thinking, reasoning, observing together. We are not accepting what the speaker is saying or rejecting. It is merely acting as a mirror in which we see ourselves. And when we begin to see ourselves as we are, 
then we can throw away, break up the mirror. The mirror has no value. So, we are saying that the crisis in, is in our minds and our hearts. And we don't seem to be able to understand that crisis. Understanding brings its own discipline. Not the discipline of conformity, not the discipline of imitation, not the discipline to accept something, however great or small. Discipline means to word the root word of that word. Discipline comes from the word disciple. Disciple is one who learns, not from another, however wise, however enlightened, however knowledgeable, but learning from our own self-education, learning about ourselves, because there is our crisis. We have handed ourselves over to the priests, to the scholars, to the professors, the philosophers, and to the analysts, and unfortunately, recently, to the over, handed ourselves over to some gurus from India or Asia which is most unfortunate. They have become rich, exploiting people. It has become a great religion as it is now, has become a great business affair, which again is obvious. So, we are saying that one has to observe oneself, Learn about oneself, not from anybody, because they are not themselves studying themselves. They have theories, some speculative ideas, which they have experimented on animals, pigeons, and so on, but they have never looked at themselves actually as they are, with their greed, with their ambition, with their competition, with their aggressiveness, violence and so on. All that we are. And in the understanding of that, actually understanding, not merely the verbal description of what we are, but the actual understanding of our reactions, our thoughts, our anger, our wounds, our aggressiveness, violence, and so on, 
looking at it. Therefore, out of that understanding, observation, comes this discipline which is constantly learning anew. Perhaps in this country we have lost that meaning of that word discipline. We have relegated to the soldier, to some monks and so on. We are, in this country especially, we have lost the meaning of that word. If you are a careerist, in that career there is a certain demand for discipline. If you are a carpenter, the very understanding of the wood, the tools, the nature of design, That observation, that understanding, brings its own learning, its own discipline, its own action. But apparently we have lost that, because we are all so terribly concerned to get on, to climb the ladder of success, to become something. If you observe, all this. And so therefore we're becoming more and more and more superficial. You've got a marvellous country, one of the most beautiful countries in the world, from the high snow-capped mountains to the desert, to the vast rivers and the deep valleys and the great trees. It's a marvellous country. And we human beings are destroying all that, because we want to get on, God knows where, but get on. Which means we are observing all this ourselves, please. You are not following the speaker. The speaker is not your guru, your leader. You are not his followers. One has to wipe away all that and examine closely what we are doing as human beings. And in this consciousness, There is disorder. And we are trying to bring order in that by conformity, by acceptance, obedience. We have never understood what is order. And as the speaker has been in this country for the last sixty years, I've seen every kind of phase, fad, something always new. 
and we have we live practically, socially, morally, ethically in disorder. And without understanding order in the deepest sense of that word, meditation becomes utterly meaningless. We think that through meditation we will bring order. That is the trick that has been played upon us for a million years. But order begins at home, near. So we have to investigate together what is that order. Because our consciousness, as we said, is in total disarray. It is in conflict. It is battling itself against something which it has created. So we are together going to inquire what is order. We are using that word to imply a state of mind, not as an ideal, a state of mind, a state of heart, in which there is no conflict whatsoever. Conflict indicates disorder. Choice indicates disorder. A man who chooses is really not actually free, he is confused. Please don't accept what is being said. It's important, I think, one thing, that one must cultivate or have this sense of scepticism, especially in psychological matters. There must be doubt. And if you observe in the Asiatic world, India and so on, doubt has been one of the precepts in religion. The Hindus and the Buddhists have talked a great deal about doubt. But in the Christian world, doubt is denied. Because you're that world is based on faith. And if you question, you are either excommunicated or tortured as it is, as they have done in the past, burnt. Now you are tolerated. There isn't much difference. So please observe yourself. Your environment, your society, and your own thoughts with considerable doubt. And also listen to the speaker with doubt 
with questions, demanding of yourself, you are doubting all that you have thought, observed, learnt, so that a mind, the brain is free to observe, but also doubt must be kept on a leash like a dog. If you keep a dog on the leash all the time, the poor animal withers. You must know when to let it go, run, chase, jump. Similarly, one must hold doubt on, in the rain, on, on a leash. And also one must learn the subtlety when to let it go. The fifth extract is from the third talk in Paris, 1965, titled Is Understanding a Matter of Time? Does time bring understanding? Time, that is, a duration, a period, a length of time. I will be, I will learn a language in four months. A new technique takes time. A new craft. A new way of doing things. That will take time. But is learning, is, is understanding which is learning a matter of time? <coughs> Do we come to understanding through experiences? You know what experience is? What is experience? And do you learn anything through experience? You've had two wars, bloody dreadful wars. Have we learnt anything? Except perhaps we have learnt more technique, how to build different aeroplanes. But have we learnt not to kill each other mentally, verbally, uh, in nationally, comparatively, anything? No way off. Now, take a simple thing like nationalism. Why are we nationalists? We are discussing this in relation to understanding. Because I identify myself with my country, which is greater than myself, and through that identification I derive certain satisfaction. And you do the same as a Frenchman, and somebody else does it as a... and all the rest of that silly nonsense. And we are ready to battle. Over what? My identification with an idea 
Because you and I are human beings, with our passions, with our hatreds, with our agonies. So, and we say nationalism, to, to, un to really become united world or united Europe, united human beings, it will take time. What does that mean? Because we don't want to give up our little particular, little idiosyncrasies, identifications, which we can give it up tomorrow, immediately, when you see something. As poison, you give it up immediately. But we like to be called a Frenchman or an Englishman and all the rest of it. And so we cling to it. And so circumstances force us gradually to become united. And we say, by Joe, time takes. It'll take time to get united. And so we say in the same way, we say time is necessary to understand. <coughs> is it? We say it is because we never give attention to anything. We give attention to something only when there is a tremendous crisis. And the world is in crisis all the time. Not when you want it. When you go out of this hall, there's a crisis. There's misery. There is starvation in the world. Not in Paris, perhaps. Not in France, but going through uh, an aeroplane 28 hours away and you know all about it. Starvation, misery, disease, ugliness. And we say that you take under, you sit quietly back in your comfortable chair and say we'll take, it'll take time to understand. So crisis is there and we don't want to face it. And understanding doesn't take time. For God's sake, time, as we showed the other day when we talked about it, only creates more disorder. It's, I don't want to go into it again. It's very simple. So, understanding comes when you give your mind and heart and your body to something. And when you don't, you won't have understanding. Either you do it voluntarily, easily, happily, or you're compelled. And you're compelled, you have resistance, and therefore you say, well, I'll take time. You know, most of us are jealous, envy. And we like it. We like the feeling of it. Because that involves, you know, possession, domination, feeling that you own, the whole business, comparative, and all the rest of it. But when you see it actually, what is involved in the whole structure of it, either you like it and go with it, or you don't. And if you don't, you understand it immediately. 
Because you understand it, you don't go that way. But who understands? I mean, I understand. Now, who understands? Then. <coughs> you understand the question? Who understands a problem? The entity. Who is the entity that understands? Now, is there an entity when there is understanding? We say, I understand. That is only a form of communication. I say to you, I understand what you're talking about. But at the moment of actual understanding, actual understanding, is there an entity who says, I understand? Sir, at the moment of, of joy, at the moment, when, you're, when there is no cause for joy, which is con completely different from pleasure, at the moment of joy, is there an entity who says, I am joyous? And when you say, I am joyous, then it ceases to be joyous. I do not know if you have not noticed it. The moment you say, I am happy, are you happy then? The more so, in the same way when you are completely attentive, do try it with your for yourself, you will see. Look at a flower or a tree or a cloud or what you like. Look at it. That is non-verbally, not naming it, not saying it is good, bad, beautiful, non-verbally, and therefore attentively, attentively in the sense, completely with your mind, with, your, with everything attentive, in which there is no effort, then in that state of attention, is there an entity who is attentive? The entity who is attentive and is aware that he is looking, that entity is the world, is the memory. And therefore, in that state of inattention, only there is an entity who observes. You know, if you go into the world, and I hope you know. Look at a tree quietly. Look at it. I mean by looking, not with your mind, because the mind sees much more than the eye. Look at it wholly. Look at the whole tree with your whole being. That is, 
you are in communion with that tree this is not some mysterious uh, mystical uh, phenomena you know life there is something tremendously mysterious in life which is not created by the ugly little stupid mind but sit down and look at that tree or that flower by the roadside you look at it without concentration look at it attentively concentration limits concentration is exclusive like a businessman concentrating on bargain then he can concentrate like a merchant bargaining to get something or this or that there you concentrate therefore limit limit the mind to fix itself on a certain point but which is not attention when you look at a flower or a tree then when you look at it attentively easily you will find that there is no entity as the observer as the experiencer as the thinker because this then that which is observed is the observer The final extract in this episode is from the fourth talk at Brockwood Park in 1971 titled Meditation Can Only Begin with the Total Understanding of Oneself. I do not know how to expose the whole content of my consciousness. I thought I could through analysis I thought I could through drugs I thought I could do it by following some teacher philosopher psychologist or analyst I've tried all those ways and I see I'm still caught in the net of all that and I and i discard all that because that that doesn't help me to know myself totally and i don't know what to do you follow i don't know what to do i've asked the impossible question and the impossible question says i don't know therefore the mind empties itself of every thing it has every suggestion every probability every possibility so the mind is completely active empty of all the past which is time analysis the authority of somebody 
So it has, it has exposed all the content of itself by denying the content. You understand? No? So, as we said, meditation can only begin with the understanding of myself totally. That's part of the meditation, part of the beginning of meditation. Without understanding myself, that is, the mind can deceive itself, it can have illusions. That is, being conditioned by a particular culture in which one has been brought up, Hindu, Christian or, whatever, or Communist, If you are a Hindu, you will see, according to your condition, the God, the illusions, the myths, the falseness, the lies. If you are a Christian, you have your condition according to your particular culture. You will see Christ, you will see this and you will see that. If you are a Hebrew, you know, all the rest of the same phenomenon goes on right through. And so, when you know your conditioning and are free of it, then there is no possibility of any kind of illusion. And that's absolutely essential. Because we can deceive ourselves so easily. So when I investigate into myself, I see that the consciousness emptying itself of all its content through knowing itself, not by denying anything but understanding the whole content, that brings about a great energy which is necessary, because that energy transforms completely all my activity. It is no longer self-centred and therefore cause of friction. I don't know if you're following. So meditation is a way of putting aside altogether everything that man has conceived of conceived of himself and of the world. You, hmm? you understand? So he has a totally different kind of mind. Which means Meditation also means awareness, awareness both the world and the whole movement of oneself, without any choice, to see exactly what is. Without any distortion, 
to see. And distortion takes place the moment you bring in thought. You, right? But thought has function, absolute function. But when there is an observation, when thought interferes with that observation as image, then there is distortion, then there is illusion. So to observe actually what is in oneself and in the world, without any distortion, and to so observe, a quiet mind is necessary. You understand? A very still mind is necessary. And one knows that to have that it is necessary to have a quiet mind. Therefore they say discipline. You understand? Control it. And there are various systems to help you to control. And all that is friction. So, if you want to observe passionately, with intensity, the mind inevitably becomes quiet. You don't have to force it. I don't know if you're following. The moment you force it, it's not quiet, it's dead. Whereas, if you see the truth, that you, to perceive anything you must look. And if you look with prejudice, you cannot see. If you see that, your mind is quiet. So, a quiet mind, a still mind is necessary. Not through any sense of conformity, discipline, enforcement. Right? Now, what takes place in a quiet mind? Because we are inquiring not only into into the into into that quality of energy in which there is no friction and also we are inquiring how to bring about a radical change within oneself and oneself being the world and the world is oneself. There are no. The world is not different from me. I am the world. It's not just an idea, a theory, but an actual fact that I am the world, and the world is me. So, if there is a radical revolution, change in me, it will inevitably affect the world, because I am part of the world. And in this inquiry, 
into what is meditation, I see that any wastage of energy is caused by friction in my relationship with another. And I ha- and is it possible to have a relationship with another in which there is no friction whatsoever? And that's possible only when I understand what love is. And the understanding of what love is is the denial of what love is not. Love is not, as we went into the other day, anger, jealousy, ambition, greed, self-centred activity, you know, all that. Obviously that's not love. So when in the understanding of myself there is the total setting aside of all that which is not love, then there it is 